Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? Well, this is a massive occasion. We are dropping a Howie Games special. I'll explain to you what we are aiming to do in a moment. But firstly, let me tell you, before you hear from this guest, to get this man on this podcast, go back and listen to his original episode. It's extraordinary, but you'll hear from that. He's not an easy man to track down. And at the moment, this man has gone to a whole nother level because he has not only been dominating on the seven Olympic coverage on free-to-air – He's continuing with his job on Bounce on pay TV, oh, so word. he is covering the entire spectrum. That's I right. started this. I started this by going to Channel Seven. They put me <laughs> onto a Melbourne agent, who oh, put me please. onto an LA agent. Then I got a bloke in New York, <laughs> and then I had to go back through the Murdochs themselves to get oh, permission please. through Foxtel. Finally, <laughs> we're all set to go. There was an NBN issue that blew up, but now. Finally, it is my great pleasure to welcome to this one-off special five-time Olympian and multimedia <laughs> megastar, Andrew Gaze. Oh, I bow down to you, great man. How are you? It is beautiful to see your smiling face. <laughs> well, uh, I always love those that put a little bit of mayo on it, but you put some mayo, <laughs> salt and pepper, a little bit of honey mustard, the whole box and dice on that because, uh, yeah, i got to – Got the text from the great man, said, uh, listen, I just need to lift the – want something to lift the listeners up and I uh, right. thought you were the right man. So away, away we go. We did have a bit of a setback with the NBN though. That was uh, well, not an well, idea. Well, well, our original podcast, you were potting me uh, the fact that I had 20 million downloads at that stage, which is now 55, but that's a story for another day. 55. You weren't happy. You weren't happy that I was running with a rubber band on the setup. <laughs> no. Yet yes. you, in the yes. leafy eastern suburbs – didn't even have the NBN operating. No. Well, I live in Elsterwick, but uh, but no, it was just one of those things that uh, the timing wasn't great. We had a upgrade apparently, so oh. I don't know what that means. And uh, the for the last couple of days, the NBN has been a little intermittent. I like to call it, and <laughs> nothing uh, worse than being in lockdown and having uh, NBN problems. No. Because uh, we, you just don't realise how much the world has changed and now we rely on the NBN uh, in just about everything we do. So it has been a little bit frustrating and even more disappointing that I haven't been able to get uh, get to you a little earlier. But uh, hopefully we'll have a bit of fun here and reminisce on hopefully, and I don't know about you, Howie, but yes. hopefully we'll just touch on the boomers at some stage. For we that are getting to the boomers. In, uh, performance. But i tell you one thing I did do with the great Andy Ma. Oh, Yes. Because I was uh, around and yes. it did reflect on, I know we spoke about this on our original podcast, but I oh, did no. reflect back whenever I get into the Olympic Games, oh, no. I did reflect back to that time uh, in Athens when we're sitting in a little cramped up room, you, me, the great Bruce McAvaney, and there was a few others there and uh, the Bruce, Bruce McAvaney, uh, and I was called in to, to be a part of the closing ceremony. Closing ceremony. And, um, gee whiz, when Brucey uh, wasn't felt like that we were organised like we should be, boy, did we feel the wrath of the great man. Well, well just to reminisce, and those that uh, haven't heard the story in full, it's the end of the Olympics, and you will just have come off this. By the last day, as yep. much as you love the games, yep. you're done. You're cooked. You haven't cooked. had much sleep. The food in Athens in the IBC was a disgrace. I hadn't yep. eaten decently for a month. I hadn't slept for a month. <laughs> and it was put on me late in the day to produce the closing ceremony. Yes. And let's yes. take people behind the scenes, Gazy. There's a booklet. Explain explain the booklet so well, people understand what's involved in broadcasting well, these things. Well, there's a massive booklet that uh, outlines all the goings-on in the yes. closing ceremony. The culture. The, the whole culture and every element and when you and they've got these caricature drawings of yes. some of the stuff that's going to appear because you don't actually yes. get to see it and sometimes it is a little hard to to comprehend and it is also uh, presented in the native tongue in, in our native language as that's well right. so in Greek 140 pages correct so there's a lot to get through and and people would think of you and your current confident, experienced <laughs> state. Because you've got to go back to 2004 and you've got this young surfer dude that's just 
wet behind the ears and thinking the good old-fashioned Aussie she'll be right, mate, attitude is going to get the job done when you're dealing with the great Bruce McEvaney because here it is, we've got this Bible. Well, it was very, very quickly established that old Brucey boy wasn't going to cop the she'll be right attitude. No. And, and I sat there and saw you quivering, the bottom lip dropped. <laughs> you went from that nice bronzed Aussie to a, yes. a bloke that looked like you'd been dipped in milk. You were that fuckle. So oh, dear. I, I think I picked up and went through the first couple of pages with you and yes. Macca, and then I said, I think you get the drift. <laughs> yeah. I think that's all we need. And I skipped the last 138 pages. <laughs> and Bruce, who is a hero and was a hero at the time, uh, mild-mannered, yes. he lost it. He, he <laughs> no, lost it at me, Gazy. He did. And, and I guess, though, it's another example of why he's the best in the business because that's right. he was going to go in there absolutely over prepared and I was sort of like you say I'd just done my probably 20th commentating game of basketball and (laughs) and you get a little bit weary and I was kind of kind of more along your lines I was probably more in the Mark Howard camp and I was fine Bruce McAvee but uh but no we got an insight into why the man is so great and why he's able to get the job done because uh gee whiz he was um, pretty adamant that there was going to be a little bit more work that done. The than... lack of support <laughs> you gave me. I've been in the trenches with you for Mate, three weeks and you just sniggered Mate. behind your hand the whole time. You gave me nothing. <laughs> I was there 10 minutes and at that stage uh, when I saw that Brucey had fired up a little bit, <laughs> I was 100% in Brucey's eye flipped very, very quickly and I thought, yeah, because he was uh, – he was, articulating what can happen if we were not prepared. And all That's of a right. sudden I thought, gee whiz, I'm with you, Bruce, because I'm going to be the, the one of those that um, that are behind the mic. But I, the thing about it is it did put the, a bit of fear in me as well because when we actually red light was on and when we're sitting in the commentary booth and we were actually broadcasting the closing <laughs> ceremony, I swear if I said more than ten words that whole two hours, <laughs> I'll go heat. I was just not going to speak unless I was spoken to by the great man, but he carried me along, carried me along and, um, and as think, for usual, he, he did a magnificent job. I think from memory, his comment to me with a raised voice, which is the first time I've ever heard him raise his voice, Yes, this is my career on air, not yours. Why don't you think you've got a very good memory because that is exactly how he... You're not the bloke that two million people <laughs> are going to be listening to and expecting greatness from. Oh, geez, that was So funny. you were discussing this with Mari on your fantastic we show were, you did. We were, and he's like, Howie, how long was that? He couldn't believe that you were actually part of it. But um, but I did, and I, and I just said, look how far the great man has come now where he's got his little podcast, he's on every – a radio and TV uh, program that we turn to, but such so, is the beginnings for yourself. So did you, and I wanted to bring this up with you before I introduce the reason we're doing this pod, yes. did you see any McAvaney-style oh, blow-ups oh, across yeah. the three weeks? <laughs> well, did anyone else cop the wrath? Well, not really because we're all in the, the one hub and um, it, was, it was a fantastic in, uh, place to be because you had all – the commentators in this one, and it was compact. In the Docklands, they had a studio there, and you're walking through the corridors, and, of course, you'd run into the great Bruce McAvaney, Tamsin Lewis, Ian Thorpe. Um, all the the, um, the commentators were there, and it did create a, this amazing atmosphere, and they had a little dining hall there with TVs, and you'd go in there and you'd be seeing uh, Aussies perform, and they, everyone's getting around them and the, with the success. So it was a, it was a fantastic environment to be in for a couple of weeks and highly motivating and and one way everywhere you turned you, you, if you didn't know anything about something you didn't have to look very far to uh find out because of the uh the experts that were around and the commentators so it was a, a fun place but everyone was pretty much on an even keel it was um we didn't really have too many blow-ups at all uh if anything the blow-ups i think would have had happened a, a little bit prior to that because yeah. uh, it was a, a difficult assignment to get the games on track, as you can imagine, and uh, doing all the games and commentating it all from a hub in um, Melbourne and then complicated by the late 
uh, COVID situation yeah. with another lockdown kicking in and people, I wasn't supposed to be on that Shinya program. You I weren't? Got, no, I got the call up, I reckon it was probably four days before the Olympics started. Oh, who did you replace? Well, I didn't replace, um, uh, Lisa. Stalaker? Lisa Stalaker was going to be coming to Melbourne. And right. it was like a week out of five or six days out and she could, because of COVID, it, you have to do 14 days quarantine because she's in Sydney. Yeah. So she was supposed to be here. So I got the call up and uh, I say this, not trying to um, be modest or any, any anything sure. other than the truth, but fair to say that three days out and they don't have a, a co-host on the <laughs> Shinya, fair to say, and I might be underestimated, fair to say there might have been a few uh, other names wiped out that said perhaps not for me before they eventually got to me because it seemed highly unusual with a program like this that with four days out I'm getting the knock on the door to say, Daisy, are you interested in this show? We when think you'd be, we think five be great. Years, yes. Five year preparation leading That's in. It. We think it'd be great. And I started to think, well, gee, this is a bit late, but maybe COVID. But the more I slept and I thought, crikey, I might have been down the list a little bit here. But that's okay. I had no problems with that. So it a was, question um, on that, a question yes. that's fascinated me, and I want to tell you how good the Olympic coverage was in a moment from where I sit. Yes. But we mentioned your various managers in Melbourne and LA and New York, et cetera. <laughs> I, how did? How did you negotiate a position where you were dominating on free-to-air and pay TV at the same time? I haven't well, seen it anywhere. Maybe maybe Eddie sort of pulled it off, but this is extraordinary work on your behalf. No, no, no. And um, that, No, it that, is. That, you've had a bit of a laugh because um, as most people would know and as you know, you come to me direct. I don't have any representation anymore. <laughs> So I, I do it all myself. So you which, negotiated um, with Murdoch and Stokes yourself one-on-one to get yeah, into this position. And what happened was I got low-balled and I accepted <laughs> – no, I got low-low-balled and I accepted the low-ball offer. Such, <laughs> such is my negotiating skills. <laughs> but, no, no, they were, they were very generous. Yeah, I think they, um, <laughs> when you're doing it all yourself, you learn a little bit more about it and, you know, I, I – I always get to a point. Well, I, just, I want to do this. It's gonna. Yes. Have, I want to have yeah. some fun. But um, and of course, working with Andy Mar. Apparently, Andy lobbied to get me a gig on the the Shinya stuff. But because it was so late, they were acutely aware that I had these other responsibilities on the bounce. And um, and and they said, listen, this has to be the priority. But if there are times, if time allows, and you're not calling a game, or it doesn't interfere with Shinya, right? Uh, we, we understand. And and because of with our bounce program, which on Sundays on on Fox Footy, brilliant TV. Uh, thank you very much. Bernie Vince usually is part of it, but but he's in Adelaide and can't get to Melbourne because he does his radio program. So he was stuck there, and Ben Dixon was there, and there's usually four of us. And um, if Bernie had been able to come down, they would have said, no problems, guys, you go knock yourself out, do the Olympics. But because um, because we were stuck, I act, they actually, uh, on the Sundays for the two weeks, we did, we pre-recorded the show because we couldn't get in, they couldn't get Bernie down to Melbourne. So, and Channel 7 were cool. They said, yeah, we understand. They didn't want to leave um, bounce out in the lurch because they know that that's my bread and butter and what I do week in, week out, and have been doing it for quite some time. So, yeah, it's a little unusual. But, um, so a lot you, of were, was- you were calling games, shooting off to another studio, pre recording, coming back. This is giving people an indication. <laughs> Yes. Of where you're operating, I got to say to you, mate. I got to yes. say to you, I, I, it's funny with because any industry you work in, if you're a builder and you see another bloke's house they're built, you normally find something wrong with it. Or yeah. if you're a writer yeah. and you read another bloke's book or another lady's yeah. book, you're like, yeah. I sat there looking at the Olympics through a fan's eyes, through yeah. a father's eyes, yeah. through a television producer's eyes who'd stuffed it up with Macca, all those different components. <laughs> you didn't stuff it up. <laughs> it was 100% brilliant whether I was watching as a sports fan, yeah. as a dad, as a commentator, as a producer. So to Chris Jones and you and all the commentators that were yeah. involved, the production staff, it was the best Olympic coverage I've ever seen, Gazy. With yeah, it was with good. The, with the app to watch the international feeds, with what you guys were doing. 
So, mate, hats off because it, I loved every single moment of it. And the fact we were in lockdown, I spent yeah. six of those days in home quarantine due to a COVID yeah. outbreak down where I live. Yeah. It was, mate, it was a, it was a lifesaver. So congratulations, mate. It was outstanding. Well, I, I, obviously I had a very, very, very strong Oh, role. please, I, please. No, it, seriously, it, it was an amazing thing they did. But I, I, it's the first time for me. Uh, the last five Olympic Games, I've been there. I've gone to the actual games as a commentator, commentating the basketball. And the five before that, I was competing. So I had not missed any of. The, I had not been in any of the last ten Olympic Games. Wow. So it was the first time that I was um, at home, uh, getting that experience on television. And 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 like you, I'm I'm watching every minute of it just because I'm enthralled with what's going on. Um, but the the thing that I tried to comprehend and like you you see it through different lenses when you've been in the industry a little bit mm. but what I took from it is that and and found hard to comprehend is that was my judgment being blurred because one we're all in lockdown two it's the first time I've been in Australia and three I'm in this incredible hub mm. that maybe blurs your your judgment but to me I think that uh, with all those Olympics that I've been to, this is one of the greatest Olympic Games I've ever seen because yeah. of the challenges they face, because Agreed. of the division that we see in the world these days and going to these events where you have no fans, it's a, they're all in these bubbles. I went in there with pretty low expectations. But to see how Tokyo was able to provide this opportunity for the athletes to, to be able to compete and, and everyone, there are a lot of people out there saying, oh, we shouldn't have it. Look at all these amazing stories we would have missed out on. If you could take the hypothetical and they had to said shut it down. Look at all these these athletic performances that we've all embraced, that we've all been able to use as motivation. Yes, that we've all felt good about ourselves. Correct. And if you had taken that away, given the climate that we currently live, then I, I think we would be as a society in a much worse place. And I dare say, and I don't know, but I, my guess is that you would have similar responses from everyone throughout the world, such as the Olympics and the impact that it can have to show friendship, show um, spirit of competition, hope, show togetherness, show love, show hope, all those different values that go along with the Olympic Games in a time when the world and communities have been more divided than they've ever been in their lives. I think that it was that little piece that helps bring it back together and put some perspective in people's lives. I could not agree more, and that leads me perfectly to 25 minutes in, the reason why I wanted to get you on. And right. Now, I want to tell a little story to explain to people why we're doing this special. So yep. last Saturday, so we're recording this on Wednesday. We hope to get it out today. I left my home, Gazy, in yep. Melbourne in lockdown number six, I'm in a very privileged position like you to still be able to work at the moment. Yeah. And I was driving up to the footy to call the St Kilda-Sydney game for Fox. Yeah. And we just got through the next bit of homeschooling on the Friday. Yeah. It had kicked in very late. Uh, and for the first time, Gazy, I'll be mm. honest with you here, because I've been in a privileged position to be able to continue working, even with homeschooling last year and the big lockdown here for yeah. five months, I got through pretty unscathed, to be honest. Right. And it just hit me, how long are we going to have to keep doing this? And my, my young fella had been in tears. Yep. Um, my nine-year-old, when he told we were into lockdown again, um, my daughter was flat, my wife was really flat on it, and I probably yep. left to go to work pretty flat. And I was thinking to myself, Gazy, wow, there's, you know, there's 12, 14 million people in lockdown at the moment yeah. across the country. And then I thought... Of those 14 million, there's probably 12 million that listen to the Howie Games, Gazy. And of I was course thinking, how can <laughs> I spread a little bit of positivity? Because I need yeah. the positivity. And yeah. I was thinking, who can I get on that, that <laughs> could aid in this uh, general get stuff COVID? Wow. Let's have some positivity. Yeah. And I was going to ring my mate, Adam Gilchrist, and he's, he's a, a positive beauty. dude. And I'm yeah, thinking, Gilly. So I'm thinking, right, I'm going to tee up Gilly. Yeah. And then I'm driving home from work and uh, good win for the Saints. And the Boomers was on the radio, so yes. I raced home. I turned it on and I've been lucky enough to have Patty on the show and yeah. Joe Ingalls. And it had such an effect on me. And then yeah. you came in 
on your show with Mari and Lise and you burst into tears. I did. About I did. what this meant to you. Yeah. But before that, you were being your usual loose cannon self, as we've heard at the start yeah. of the podcast. And I thought, this is the man that I know that can bring some positivity to the oh. nation. So out, Gilchrist. <laughs> in gaze. So you are now here to yes. lift the nation. Oh, geez. No, I was. That's, that is very hard to do. And I'm honoured that you think of me in that light, in all honesty, because it's um, – it's. Uh, I take that as a huge compliment because. Well, it's, it, it, yeah. it, 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 how have I want to get to the basketball, but yep. I've just sort of given you a bit of perspective from me. I know you've got a, a, a big family as well. How have you gone with it, mate? How have you gone with this constant? We're good. We're free. Actually, yeah. we're not. Here in Victoria, we went from a day at zero yep. to the next day we're in lockdown. Our friends in New South Wales. You know, they're, they're six weeks in. Yep. How, how are you dealing with it, Gazy? How, how have you done your best to stay on top of it, mate? Yeah, it's it's been a real uh, roller coaster of emotions because, like you, I, I've been very privileged. And um, last year was a lot more difficult for me because you, you're going through a stage where things are closing down, you, 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 your livelihood is no longer there. No. You know, although I, I'm privileged, so I don't – I'm not trying to, but just as an example, you start to question, oh, crikey, is this, is, is this going to come back? That's right. Um, you know, I lost my uncle, uh, and to this day, uh, we still haven't had a, a proper uh, burial of my, uh, my name's Andrew Barry Casson Gaze, and during lockdown last year, my uncle Barry, who um, very close to passed away. Sorry and to hear that. haven't had, to, haven't, you know, not being able to have a funeral, to be around friends, to, 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 um, go through that grieving process with family, all those things that you go through that uh, are caused because of this, the, the situation that we all find ourselves. And on top of that, um, for me, some very close friends with businesses that the reality of are doing it really tough. Yes. You know, um, uh, hopefully he doesn't mind this, but I, I, one of my closest friends in Mark Brakey runs an indoor sports complex Mate, the, the stresses and the challenges that he has to go through are, are enormous and speaking to him, it's it's tough to, to hear because you're helpless. You, no, no pats on the back and all the very best uh, are necessarily going to ease that that pain uh, because it's just the, the reality of the situation is really tough. So you, you ride all those uh, emotional roller coasters, roller coasters but... Um, for me, I try to use the lessons that I've learned and the education that I had um, playing sport yes. and in particular the Olympic Games to use those tools to, to help you through this type of situation. And in sport, despite all the great things we see, you sometimes you, you, you've got to go through some dark places as well because it's not always a bed of roses and you're winning and you're winning medals and you're up on the podium. And in fact, we've seen that. And one of the reasons why I was so emotional with the boom is because it has been tough. We have been, uh, had to go through a lot of heartbreak and, and being there a part of it is all part of the education. But one of the things that you see and you learn from the greatest athletes in the world is that how uh, the Olympics and when you come together in that environment, Extraordinary things happen. Uh, and I'm a strong believer that great things happen in this atmosphere of greatness. And somehow or other, when you are a leader and you're trying to get the best out of a situation, somehow or other, you've got to find an atmosphere of greatness. Now, it's very easy in some circumstances when you're out there to, to identify lousy environments and very rarely do, do, do good outcomes come from lousy environments. And despite all the challenges that we face, there still has to be a way in which you can create an atmosphere of greatness. And that will vary depending on the circumstances. And in some instances, well, in the Olympic Games, it's easy because you're surrounded by these extraordinarily motivated people. Mm. But, um, but I've used those lessons to equate to my own situation with my family when your kids are down can't get, you know, can't go to school, can't go out, can't socialise, all those things, how in which within what we can do, you make the absolute 
most of it and try to be really pragmatic about it. And if you dwell too much on all the things you can't do and all the liberties that have been stripped from you, you, you it's, it's tough. And we yeah. all go through it. And you compound that with some individuals where they've, mate, they, they don't know how to put food on the table. It's literally that desperate. Um, and how you do that in those circumstances Mate, I don't think I have. I don't have the answers for other than more a, a broader overview to to to, to the uh, the challenges that I face in embracing the hardship and using it as a test and all those things you, those little things you go through as an athlete that you try to apply to get through uh, what in a sporting sense is difficult times, but in reality may not be as difficult as some are going to do. So it, it's really hard, Howie, and, and I. I search online for motivation myself and you don't always find it, yep. but, um, but continually strive to accept that the, the challenges and the difficulties that we face and try to find mechanisms to help you through. I, I love the description, mate. It's, it's, it's a perfect example of why I wanted to get you on. Cause like I said, yeah, I'd, I think relative to the population, I've been lucky enough to, yeah, I've, I've cruised through as best I can. And I'm similar to you. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. how can we make the best out of this situation? How have you gone with lifting up those around you? Mm. So whether it's your wife or your kids, and they will have spent time lifting you up. Mm. But again, from what you've learned, when when you walk in and you face your kids or your wife and they're flat or they've watched the news or the case numbers have gone up yeah. or, or the finish line seems to just keep moving, it's like we started the marathon and all of a sudden we're Janos Kouros and yes. we're doing the Sydney to Melbourne with Cliff Young and then you think, well, is it going up to Brisbane? How, how yeah. have you, in your own household, from your own experience, tried to keep those around you with a bit of a smile on their dial and a spring in their step, mate? Well, I, I, I've done it, I think I've been conscious to a certain extent in two things and one is not going there to them and be patronising, not yeah. going there and say, turn it up, look look at this beautiful house you're living in and and, and not mm. trying to just uh, fob it off as if to say, well, you still got plenty to be grateful for even though you can't do those things because it's it doesn't matter what circumstances is, you take those things away from them and they're, they're part of your life, it is a, a genuine setback. But um, for me, I try to, getting back to what I said before, is make sure no matter how gut-wrenching it is for me, always try to see the good side in things and always try to uh, find humour in circumstances hmm. and, and always try to present a, a, an attitude of happiness. So I don't want to preach happiness, I want to show happiness. Right. And I love it. I love it. Because sometimes if you're preaching it, it's like, oh, yeah, well, that's what everyone's just trying to say to get me through it. Yeah. But it's about the atmosphere. It's about the environment in the household. And to, to when you, it's, it's very easy to get down and it's very easy to, to put it in the too hard basket. It is not easy to check yourself and say, well, I need to try and find a way through this and I need to try and overcome my own demons and be a leader as such or be someone in the household that can bring a bit of joy and not tell them not to think about the, those things, do things that allows them not to think about the, those things so they can laugh at your dad. You can be an idiot. You can play the, 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 the fool. You can throw yourself under the bus. You can do things that that are a distraction that don't always make yourself look great. And it's not always um, the, something that you have wins every time. But uh, but just try to make them laugh and make them uh, feel good and be a distraction to the reality, which very few actual words can provide some, um, uh, some reassurance mm. other than keep the faith, you're going to be okay, we're going to get through this as a, as a nation. All those things are great in lockdowns one, two, and three, and then you get to <laughs> lockdowns five, six, and who knows yeah. more. Yeah. Um, we're there. So I've tried to do that and tried to uh, let them develop their own attitudes and philosophies. And 
I, I've watched more news in the last 12 months than I, I, I care to, mm. than I ever have in my life because I'm so interested in all that and learning about it, it, it all. And somehow you develop your own, you educate yourself, you make your own decisions on, on, on what, how you want to uh, manage yourself through this situation and don't get caught up in the division that goes on. The, the division to me is unhelpful. And even within our own family, different attitudes about how we get through it, that's okay. You have those different attitudes, but respect others that don't have the same view. Respect it, don't have to argue it, you don't have to debate it, but listen and respect it. Don't expect them to convince you. Don't, don't expect you to convince others. Mm. Just acknowledge it and educate yourselves and figure out, figure out your own way because division through this is unhelpful in my view. I think Andrew Gase for PM is the way oh, forward. I think yes. Andrew Gase for PM. I'm not are... sure that attitude would work. No, <laughs> I would like it. Uh, to unify, to, to take us back to a country rather than a group of separate states, I think it'd be fair. But we're not a political podcast. Righto, Gazy Hoops. Hoops. Yes. Hoops. I just, well, I've done notes. I've made wow. notes. Wow. I've That's made notes. First. I know. This is what I need. This is what I learned from Bruce McAvaney in Athens. Put them away. You do your best work when you're just going off the top of the box. I do, but I just want to set it up for people. Okay. Your father, Lindsay, involved with the Australian Olympic campaigns as a player or a coach in every Olympics from 1960 to 1984. Yep. Yourself, you started in the Olympics in 1984 as a 19-year-old in LA, five-time Olympian, 297 games representing the green and gold, the most ever for an Australian. So that's the background of where we come into this conversation. Before we get to the boomers, you were involved, from what I can see, in a couple of fourth places. (laughs) Three of them, in fact. Three. Two against... Lithuania in '96 and 2000. Who yeah. was the third one against? That was in Seoul. In, in uh, that Seoul. was our first in 1988. We played against the United States after they'd lost right. to the Soviet Union in, uh, in the in the semi-final to get. So we got them as angry as all get out. And who that was, was who was playing for them? They had a great team. Um, uh, that it was coached by John Thompson, and uh, back then. There was Mitch Richmond was there. It was back. It was the last run right. of players that um, that had that were from college. Right. So pre Dream Team. So it's the it's before Dream Team, of course. Yeah. Right. Correct. So it was before uh, the Dream. Then ninety two was when the pros came back in. So it was um, it was a time when they that the world was catching up. Yeah. Okay. So and had caught up all the, uh, with the with the United clearly by them losing to the Soviet Union in that um, in that game. In right. That. So so Gazy, before we get to to what happened in Tokyo, take me tell me a story or give me an example of the environment three times in a row, or three times in total, three out of five when you've done brilliantly to make the semi final. And I can remember watching various of those games. What is it like when you miss the medal? Yeah, it was um, it was tough. It was different in '88 because even then, um, with that USA team, when we played them, we were we just finished a series, a five-game test series against the Soviet Union. So in that semi-final game against the um, when the Soviet Union are playing against the United States. Yep. We were, we were actually – although it meant that if we lost our one against Yugoslavia, we're going to have to take – we were played uh, the United States. We were just happy to be in the semifinals for the first time ever. Okay. And and we were up against this USA team that uh, – I remember, you know, there was David Robinson was on was on the team. Dan Marley, who is is, is was um, – and there were some guys there. Stacey Orgman was another player. Um you know, I can't remember all, all the players in the team, but they, they had these guys that even though they'd just come through the college ranks, we, we were like, oh, geez, these guys are going to go on to be on NBA superstars. So right. it wasn't like 92 when they all were the bona fide superstars. Yeah. But it was like, gee, here we, we get to play against these guys. 
And in 88, we beat Spain in the quarterfinals uh, and the first time ever in Australian basketball we'd beaten Spain. So we went into these semifinals kind of playing with the house's money. No one gave us any chance to win a medal, albeit that that was our goal and we were confident because we were winning and we felt like we were a good chance. But the expectations, no matter what happened in those two games, we were still coming back doing something that no other Australian team in the history of Australian basketball ever done before. Uh, 92, we never got to there. We, we we never made it to the semifinals. But then in, in 96, we did. And 96, and when you talk about the hurt of getting there and getting so close, 96 was the closest we came. We beat Croatia in the quarterfinal. Mm. That was the one where Tony Rollinson hit the game uh, with yes. it like 20 seconds to go, hit a three-point a shot and made a four-point play. So hit a three-ball, got fouled and made the four-point play. So we got there. So we're back to this place that we hadn't been to in the semifinals for a long period of time. And then the way the draw worked out, we had to play the United States like uh, Australia did this time around. We had to play them in that first game to get to the gold medal game. So we played them and lost, but then the real game was this game against Lithuania. So the Soviet Union disbanded. Now you've just got this na- this small nation of Lithuania, uh, but still packed with superstars. Uh, Marshallonis was uh, on their team. Um, Sabonis, Avidas Sabonis, the great mm. one of the greatest players of all time. So they were they were a really good team. And in that game, of all the games that we played, that game with two minutes to go, three minutes to go, scores are almost level and. Avidas Sabonis, the big fella, seven yeah. foot two guy, hit two threes on us <laughs> oh, nice. down the stretch, and we ended up losing, I think, by six. But it was, it was, it was a winnable game, in a real winnable position, and that was the the one of my Olympic campaign, campaigns that got away from us. That so I what, felt. what 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 happens at that stage? You go into the the change rooms afterwards, like as um as painful as it may be. Take me there, Gazy. I'm just. Just trying yeah, to show people where we've come as a nation. Well, there's still some joy because you, you feel like you've done something uh, okay. You know, you feel like you've got to a level when you look at the teams like Croatia who we beat and some of the other teams at Brazil and some of the other teams we, we won along the journey. We were still playing well and we still felt like we put our best forward foot, foot, foot forward and we felt like we we did as much as we can. So there is a sense of, well, we just didn't, you know, we just weren't good enough. Um, and the disappointment that's shared because you know when these suckers only come around once every four years, yeah. the group of guys that you've gone to battle with, it's going to be different in, in four years' time. And the the challenges that you face and, and the brotherhood that you build, it's the full stop on that, um, that opportunity. So there is a combination of disappointment that you have lost, you weren't able to achieve your goal and you come so, so close. There are tears. There are there are legitimately high emotional situations in the in, in, in the um in the room straight afterwards. Uh and it's it's a it's a it's an environment that's got these conflicts because there's some happiness in what the overall you've been able to do, but there's this emotion that you haven't been able to fill the goal. But one of the overriding uh, uh, feelings is that looking across the room and seeing that your brothers that you've gone to battle with, they, we ain't going to, this is it. This is a one and done situation for this group and you don't get to, to have this right again. It's not like a, a season where you lace them up in, oh, don't worry, in two months' time we're in pre-season and we're at it again. Off we go again. No, it's not. So I think the disappointment of losing is one thing, but more impactful or just as impactful, I should say, is the disappointment that we never get to do it again with this group. <laughs> and that was that was one of the – that was the hardest one to accept. In Sydney – it was one where there were some hard luck stories. We got to the semifinals and playing against France in the semifinal to get to the gold medal game, that was our opportunity. But in that game, our big fella, Luke Longley, went down. France weren't necessarily playing all that well throughout that tournament, but they got the better of us and they beat us quite easily. And then it was like we were spent. The, the emotional, you know, the emotional 
highs and lows of it all. And then we didn't do well in that bronze medal game there. And and Lithuania again beat us, but this time quite easily. Okay. So it was, it was, it was, they were different emotions. Um, but Atlanta was the one that we came cl- as cl- the closest to. So now take me to the bronze medal match mm. uh, against Slovenia. Oh, but just before that, give me a – what did it make you feel seeing Kate and Patty carry the flag as a man yeah. that has done it before? Like what were your emotions – seeing that, like a, a, a great Australian swimmer, but in your part of the world, a, a great basketball man back on the flag. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. And it's one that uh, knowing Paddy's story as much as I can and having great respect and appreciation for what he's done in the NBA, continuing to represent Australia. Some people go in a variety of different sports, will compete uh uh, as Australians, but it don't necessarily represent Australia in the way which others do, if that makes any sense. Makes and that's not an indictment on them. That's just the reality, that, that they're out there. They might be individual sports. They might be doing other things. And they're not conscious of representing the country. They're representing, representing themselves that just happen to be Australians. Gotcha. Paddy is one that has continued to represent Australia and not just himself when he's been with the Spurs or with Portland or when he was in college. And a lot of that, I'm sure, has got to do with his heritage and the connection with the Indigenous community and other reasons why. But nevertheless, he's he's never um, lost pride in making sure that when he's with the Spurs, that he carries that Australian flag and carries it as a badge of honour. Absolutely. And, and as one that he wants the world to know how great this country is and uh, with tremendous pride. So I think that to have someone like that and knowing his story to be honoured in this way and me personally knowing the incredible honour that it carries when you are captain of the Australian team and flag bearer for both him and Kate Hmm. is one that no matter who it is, you have great respect and appreciation for. But when you feel it's someone from your own fraternity and someone that has been had that similar education to what you have had and has the same goals and you've got all those similarities uh, with both him and, of course, with Lauren in London, Lauren Jackson, it it, it does mean a little bit more. And I hope people don't feel that that's selfish or anything. But it does carry a little bit more weight because uh, he's representing our sport as well and everything that we love and um, enjoyment we get from our sport, uh, he's helping uh, validate our sport and uh, helps the exposure for our sport and all those things that, that are associated with continuing to try and grow the game. Here is another example that we can lean on as a sport to say what incredible things can happen if you're able to excel and do the right thing at with sport. He is what I would describe, I often describe footballers as the heart and soul of the team. He, he, he's heart and soul of that team. He's heart and soul of the Australian Olympic team. Yeah, um, both on and off the floor too. Yeah. Some people can be heart and soul and don't necessarily have that same role on the floor, but he has the exact same role or if not more actually on the floor. Yeah. So he, he's, a, he's a leader in every sense of the word. And, again, some people just don't have that opportunity because that's not the role that they have on the floor. But he is in that fortunate situation where you can do both. You know, you, you, you are he has that uh, capacity to do both. And um, he, he does it so well. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have him on the podcast a while ago. Um, if people listen to this and they haven't listened, they should go back and check it out because well, I was joking with you about pe- being Prime Minister, but I, I, I think I mentioned to him yeah. in the podcast has he ever thought about going into politics because of all the athletes I've ever dealt with, there, there's a man that I think is destined for even more greatness when he finishes his sport than than what he's achieved so far. But, Gazy, take me to so, – so you're watching in the Channel 7 studios somewhere. Take me through your range of emotions throughout the bronze medal match. Well, I was commentating the game, so you, you, you're you there and I'm, I'm alongside another 
guy that if it, not for the pandemic, he's actually yes. on the floor with Andrew Bogan. Bogan. Yep. And of course, John Casey, who I've, I've got a long, long history with and who's emotionally connected to the boomers as well. So we're all in there and you've got to, you've got to check yourself in that you don't just want to be a cheerleader out there. You've got to do your job as, as well as the emotions running high because you know that we're on the cusp of doing something that no other team has ever done before. So it was um, emotionally charged, but I think that we were able to maintain a level of uh, objectivity in yeah, the broad in, in providing our our uh, broadcast as well, notwithstanding that that we were under no restriction because it was to an Australian audience. Yes. We we're allowed to be. Well, I don't know whether biased, but we we're allowed to make sure that we were we we could express our our joy and emotions in in the boomers in. Um, their success. So it was one that just overcome with happiness is the best way to, to describe it. And sitting next to Bogues and to seeing him uh, joyful about the result and having someone there that, that uh, has lived and breathed it as well, You, you um, being a part of the boomers is like being a part of the mafia. Once you're in, you're never going to get out, no matter what you do. Even Love if you it. even if you want to get out, you can't get out. That's just how it is, because uh, you're part of it. In in and um, whether we like it or not, once a boomer, you've been indoctrinated into their system, and they won't let you out, and you don't want to be out. And sometimes the consequences of trying to get out are more hurtful than just going along with it. So, so, so we felt you feel this um, this sense of uh, pride and and brotherhood and uh, a sense of accomplishment that although you're not there, and I hadn't played a game for the Boomers for 21 years, so it's not as if those that impact on the floor it was immediate. But it's still one that we, both of us, I think, sense felt a sense of contribution. Now that may sound a little selfish that you're trying to hang on to, to something. That I don't think it sounds really, selfish at all. I don't really think it involved in. It makes complete sense to me. Yeah, but it, but but I, I can understand how why people might think that. But um, but it's it's certainly not meant to that way. And I think whether it's me or Eddie Palabinskis or Danny Morsu or Lindsay Gaze, Phil Smythe, and the list goes on, Mark Brecky. I think we all, because of the way in which uh, the, boom, the boomers culture has been handed on from generation to generation to generation, and the obligations you have when you're in that boomers culture to pass it on, um, and it's not like you get a manual. You don't get a book. This is what you do. It's just being a part of the program somehow or other and I'm sure it's changed little bits and pieces, but the core of it is is a a desire to represent your country, a desire to be great and to win medals and to be um, achieve a high standard of performance. But just as important is the Aussie spirit, and and you've seen that over the years with acts on the floor about how. We love and respect our opponents. We embrace the friendship that it brings with international competition. But we're going out there to show the world that in this country of 24 million people or whatever it is, we can do anything. Hmm. And we can achieve things that others don't think possible. And we are going to not be intimidated by anyone. We respect everyone, but intimidated by no one. And they are the types of things that are a part of this experience when you're the boomers. And absolutely there is a, a, a code of conduct that's acceptable and not acceptable and we call it out when it's not acceptable and we hold people accountable to it. And somehow or other over since 1956 when the first boomers team played at the Olympics to now, whether it's by accident, whether it's by design or whatever, I don't know what the reason is. I feel strongly that, that there has been this generational handover of those values that has hold us, held us in good stead to deal with real, real tough setbacks. 
And as I said before, when we we're talking about the challenges that people face, it's easy for Paddy Mills to suck it up and say, we got screwed against Spain in Rio. That's easy. It's harder to look it in the eye as soon as it's finished, have a desire to lace them up again, go through another four years of what you go through and, and go ahead and continue to strive to put yourself out there with a reasonable chance that that same pain and suffering may come about again. But the joy in the process of getting there is worth that risk. And it's, it's, it's easy to walk away, like I said, and just say, well, screw you. We won that. You, we were robbed. We got that. Well, no, that's not the case. That is sport. And to to look it in the eye, him, Joe, Maddie, Bangy, all those that were there that had been through those hardships there and at the World Cup in 2019, mm. uh, to to have that resilience, that toughness, and I'm sure part of that boomers culture in there uh, within them is a reason why these types of successes are more rewarding. A much, and, and I don't belittle, as an example, I don't take anything away from the extraordinary performances of the USA women's basketball team, five consecutive Olympic gold, gold medals. Diana, Diana Taurasi, yeah. if, I mean, that is something that is extraordinarily meaningful, powerful, and a great display of excellence and sustained excellence over 20 years. Yes. But there is something about having to do it harder and having to overcome and be tested a little bit in different ways. I won't say they're not tested more because you are tested when you're defending it, but tested in different ways that brings about a higher degree of joy than it does when those seemingly, they haven't had it easy, but have not had to endure uh, some pain and suffering along the way. I am in awe of your passion. I am in awe of your passion, Gazy. (laughs) Um, Your conversation, if you don't mind taking us into a private moment, your conversation with your dad, and yes. we, we established his credentials at the start when I when I went off yeah. the notes there. How was the conversation with Lindsay? Yeah, it was great. I, I called him up before the game and I said, Dad, well, you know, what do you make of this? What do you make of this situation that we now face um, with the boomers? What if what if we win? What if we lose? And as usual, he has this incredible skill, ability, personality to keep it all on an even. Never get too high, never get too low. Right. But put it on this even keel to almost prepare you to not be over the top if you win, but not be down in the dumps if you lose and understand that this is just this is just a privileged opportunity to test yourself. And he uses these analogies, and he didn't do it here, but he's used these analogies before, is that you get to take very few um, situations or challenges in life do you get to get to test yourself where if you keep in perspective the consequences, they're really not that important. You throw in a bit of leather trying to put it in a hoop, mm. but you get to test yourself in these situations. And one of his famous quotes was uh, that, and he used to tell this as players, and and he, t- and he and he instilled in me this at a very young age. And when I was young, I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. He he would always say that there are only two times in life when winning is important, and that is in surgery and in war. Now now that's deep. It is. That is deep. It is. And there's some that 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 that, that won't understand the analogies, but what it does is that is understanding you're going out here and you are trying to do your absolute very best, but the consequences are not the same as in surgery and they're not the same as in war. No. That, that they are there that you, you've got to understand that you continue to move on and you, you move on with your life. These are privileged situations where those tests come with not as the same level of consequence. Now, for us 
as professional athletes, you lose perspective of that sometimes because, well, hang on, this may mean my job. This may mean other, there may be other consequences. But I hold true, and maybe it's because it was instilled in me at a very early age, is that that's, that's how you should be approaching these challenges mm. and, and, and enjoying it. And that type of thing was, again, in a completely different way instilled in those conversations, talking about, wow, this is, this is a chance that when you consider the hardship that these guys have gone through four years ago and a couple of years ago and being so close, um, him talking about uh, it would be another great example of the resilience and, and how which they've overcome these adversities and talking about, well, let's not forget Slovenia and paying homage to Slovenia and all those types of things that that was kind of in a, you know, a two-minute way to, to describe that conversation. It wasn't he wasn't talking about himself. He was like oh, he wasn't reminiscing about his time. It was more about the moment and what this could mean for Australian basketball. Um, but hey, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't happen. But geez, it's going to be great if it does happen. That type of that type of outlook. And when it did happen, and you jumped on the phone to him again. Well, what it was is it was hard to get to because he, I think, was getting as 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 many. Uh, calls as, yeah. as, as I had, but it was one that um, I didn't. The first thing was I went to bed after the game, but I've heard that you got a little emotional <laughs> after the after the contest. <laughs> so he said, "I've recorded it and I haven't seen it, but I'll have a look at it later on." <laughs> that was that was the first feedback that we. <laughs> That was received, but it was more, again, just talking about how great it is, how great it is that we finally um, had this dream for so long, uh, never wavered from the dream and the belief that can happen, and uh, and almost talking about, geez, we're not that far away from a silver, are we? We're not that far off a goal. They're still thinking ahead as well as, realizing the moment, those types of things. So he, as I said, he, I inherited my emotional position more from a mum, from a dad. Yeah. And um, many times, most of the time, I wish I think back and I wish I could be more even keeled like he no. is. But um, I think that balance that he provides and just internally the joy that it brings him and knowing that, when he started in the in basketball and he had this vision to build stadiums, build competitions, provide opportunities for people to play the sport and never, ever wavering from the game is the most important thing and this build it and they will come attitude mm-hmm. and that you get the foundation right, you put all those things in place. He was less concerned about that because – he knew that once you have all those other building blocks in place, that'll come. That, 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 that'll speak for itself. The true success in uh, at Opals and Boomers at the Olympics and the World Championships, in his view, comes from the foundation. Once you have the foundation right and all those things in place, um, that, that's, that's, that's an easier outcome to achieve than not having those things in place. And now the outcome has been achieved. Um, you've been great with your time. I, I need to let you go. This is everything I hoped it would be, this conversation. Now, do you recall, this is going to test yes. your memory, do you recall last time you were on this show, and people need to listen to that episode if they haven't, do you recall what I presented you with at the end as a thank you? Yes, it was some little trinket. Uh, what was it? It was... Bumper sticker. That's it, the Howie Games bumper sticker. Well, I, I just want – I presume it's on your car. Well, it's – I've still got it. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I, I have to be honest and say it's not on the car. Okay. But but since then, I've had to change a car, so it's a good thing it's not. So it goes on the new car now. 
Well, if you've got another one to send me. Well, this is what I'm going to talk about because I don't know after that multi-million dollar two-network deal you signed, I don't know if it would suit on the Ferrari (laughs) that you've now got the garage. (laughs) Someone's robbing me because there's not those types of zeros forthcoming. I hope you now note over Zoom, and I'm going to move a little bit to my right. Yes. Because you've been on this journey from the start. Just Can you just note what I'm wearing? <laughs> the Howie Gaines. You're not sending me a Howie Gaines windshooter. I've got merch this that is soon to is... launch, but pre-launch, <laughs> I am sending you. You can choose I love it. windshooter, T-shirt, cap, whatever you like. It is coming your oh, way. I've... Pre-merch launch. Wow. You, in fact, you might have to be my Jeez. poster pin-up man around town wearing the kit. Mate, I'm happy to display it. I reckon the um, the T-shirt's probably more my go. Okay. The what T-shirt t- uh, Do you want white, grey, black or navy? I reckon I like the black number that you're wearing now. That sort okay. of pops, doesn't it? You've okay. got a bit of a, although you've got the surfer dude look, you know. Yeah, that, and I'll quite whereas, cross the shoulders and the chest. It sort of fills out. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. But, um, <laughs> but no, that, that, that's an absolute beauty. And, right. Um, I'm getting one your way. I'm getting one your way. Well, I'm trying to – the gay's footwear has been going gangbusters and we're yes. trying to actually get our own uh, little merchandise range. Uh, well, tell thing. me about this because I, we can – before I let you go, so yes. it's it's not easy developing a merch no. range. No, it's it isn't. It's taken me six months yes. of back and forth and this and that. How is the gay's range going? Well, we've got the gay's range in um, Big W, which we've done, and it started back in 2005 and it's sort of – but the, more recently, it's, uh, we're back in stores with the footwear. Right. And, and I don't want to sound like some sort of, uh, um, unlike you, Howie, with my, our merch, uh, <laughs> profits and margins are very, very small. Okay? Mate, I can, before so, you go any further, <laughs> I've got a garage full that if I don't sell, I'm getting rid of one of the kids because it's become a bigger yes. investment than maybe I anticipated. Yes. So now tell me about your situation. Well, I got I, I, I've got serious <laughs> concerns and the bank's on me saying, if yeah. you don't shift some of that, there's trouble. Trouble. No, well, our one was, oh, I did this more recently with a mate of mine in collaboration with Big W where, oh, and I guess it comes from my dad's philosophy yeah. where we're quite frugal. Um, and <laughs> it, it, it's concerning to me that, and my kids have played the costs of footwear. Yeah, in, in for basketball, that's it, it's it's enormous, you know. And 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 branding is a real big part of reason for that. Um, and it, and it's expensive. So fortunately, we went to Big W and said, "Listen, we want to provide something out there for this basketball community." We did it back in 2005, sold a lot of pairs of shoes. Can you, you know, can you help us out? I can recall it was revolutionary because you were making the shoes accessible to people at a, at a good yeah. price range. I remember the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, and that goal has, has maintained. Now, the reality of it is that um, to sell a, a, an adult pair of what, what we've considered entry-level basketball shoes for $39 is extremely difficult. Mm. It's extremely difficult because you get certain components to a shoe that you can't ignore. And it's even cheap and 34 I think it is, for the, for the kids. But um, we're trying to do that. And and absolutely, you know, it, 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 they're not, they don't always have all the top whiz-bang technology, but it is something that I actually wear and put on my feet and feel that, yeah, I can play in these shoes. So it's more now, – now, like I said, yeah, we get a little – a very small margin along the way, but I'm never going to be building a house. I'm never going to be independently wealthy through this. <laughs> um, and and similarly, we're trying to do the same with um, with uh, big Ws, uh, with, with the merchandising. So it, it's the same – you know, everyone – I'm not trying to be a martyr. I'm not trying to do anything other than tell you exactly the motivation behind it. And, um, and so, what's and, the yeah. merch? What's the merch? What 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 can I get? Well, we haven't. We, we've got. We, we're still talking to to Big W about you know um, entry level. Okay. Well, training we tops talk- to you right. know basketball gear. It's basketball specific gear. Um, or I shouldn't say that. It's more athletic gear. Okay. Train. You can train. You know, active wear. I guess they call it. But that type so, of stuff. Uh, are you uh, because? We're going off topic here, but I've had to yeah. get people to help me to um, construct a website, open yeah. the shop part of the website. Well, uh, here's this. I construct, 
But check this out. Okay. And, and this has been a lot. I actually, and it's not great. I actually built the website myself. You built it yourself. And I actually put the e-commerce on the website myself. That so is you extraordinary. Can actually, and so on top of what we do with Big W, I did it as as an interest, a hobby. Right. And, and, I, needed uh, and to yeah. you, I needed to ring you three months ago when I, I was like, how covered. on earth am I going to do this? I got you covered. So I, I probably learned a lot throughout the process and building, you know, the as you know, standard WordPress site you can get them, but then to try and put all the e-commerce and oh. safety and security, mate, I, I, I like you. Terms, conditions, and, postage, and- handling, <laughs> legal, returns, <laughs> mate. I just wanted to knock out a couple of T-shirts for people that like the show that might like to wear them. It's, mate, it. it's no. like I'm taking, taking on Nike just to get up and running. Oh, I need it. Phil Knight on the phone to yes. help me out, the shoe yes. dog. And, and you know the other thing, and again, I, I, I say this, the research that I had to do to get the, and fortunately I've got a mate of mine that's been in the industry for 30 years, but again, I'm not trying to be on my high horse here no, no. or do anything, but to, to find a manufacturer that you could look in the eye and say, says, we do this ethically. Yes. And is that takes, particularly in a pandemic, it takes uh, a lot of help. And fortunately through Big W and with their ethical standards and with this mate of mine, we found a supplier that can do it, that we can fit, we can in all good conscience, satisfy our conscience that, hey, this is, these are being done in the most ethical way possible to deliver this type of shoe. So you need to do the same, and I'm sure you have. Uh, I've tried to do my best. I need to look into the ethical requirements. So that'll come out at Big W soon. Check it out. Hey, um, as I said, I was driving to the footy right at the start, mate, and I had this vision that what could I do to maybe just – put a tiny ray of sunshine in someone's life when they're out for a walk for their two hours or whatever. Um, and you were the man for the job and you've gone above and beyond. Hopefully this has put a smile on people's face. It's put a smile on my face. Um, <laughs> mate, I love your passion. Uh, no, you're a good. star. You're a second type performer on this podcast now, well, which is rare. Well, you know what? And I say this, when I got the text message that you were keen to have a chat to me, yes. it, 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 um, it, I was humbled. Because oh, I know that you're now the the super mega star <laughs> and you're 52 million, and to think that you've won a second go around, uh, I was genuinely touched. So I, you, you've made me feel happy. I appreciate the, the the having the conversation. Hopefully, a few people listening. If they don't, you oh, know, they will. there's always someone be. else there for you, Howie. So exactly. we'll, no, they will. We'll they will. Mate, you're a star. Stay safe. Hopefully, as you said, as a community and as a country, we're all out of this really, really soon, and we're united again and getting back to living the life that we know and love. Mate. Oh, we will. We will, Howie. No doubt about that. So good on you, and keep. Keep on uh, bringing some joy to people with uh, your podcast, mate. Well done. You too, Guru. Stay safe. Well done, Gazy. Thanks, pal. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Listener.